podcast. Your host is Kaldun Swice, Associate Professor of Philosophy at the City Colleges of Chicago and Tutor of Philosophy with Oxford University. This podcast is created to assist skeptics to believe and believers to think and articulate a deeper understanding of the ultimate issues of life. The opinions expressed are only those of the author and guests. Well, welcome back. I'm excited that you're back with me. This is Khaldun. Uh, this uh, lecture that I gave that I'll be presenting here is a short portion uh, regarding the issue of devotions. How do we have exciting and revitalizing devotions without becoming monotonous? Uh, how do we do that? How do we engage the issue of the transcendence on a daily basis without losing the wonder of it all? There's a way to do that. And hopefully this particular podcast will help address that issue. If you found it helpful, I would appreciate if you left some feedback on the iTunes uh, website. Let's go ahead and get started. Is the easiest and hardest of things. It is the simplest and most sublime, the weakest and the most powerful. Its results lie outside the range of human possibilities. They are limited only by the omnipotence of God. Prayer is powerful. Not your specific prayers per se, but the one to whom you pray to. Spending time in personal devotions will cultivate your heart toward the transcendence in life. Uh, Many of you may come from Christian backgrounds, so you've probably heard this most of your life. But I can't emphasize how important this is. Because if you go to Russia and live in Moscow for five years, what's going to happen to your speaking ability of Russian? It's going to get better, merely because you're around Russians. You pick up what's around you. That's just part of being human. You absorb the culture. And if you don't put a guard up, whatever comes in will come into your mind. You'll just start being indistinguishable from the culture. An open mind is a good thing. Our culture tells us that. Be open-minded, man. Be open-minded. Yes, but you got to think about this logically. An open mind is a wonderful thing, but open to what? You know the only thing that's open to everything and rejects nothing? It's called a sewer. (laughs) A sewer is open to everything and rejects nothing. Is that what you want your mind to be? You have no filters up? And what are the filters you're going to put up? Your own? Where are they going to come from? What better source than a transcendent source? That's where prayer and devotion helps you fill that filter in your mind. I... um, try every morning, every day, to wash my mind with God's word and things that are transcendent. Uh, because it helps me deal with the world in a way that is scriptural because I'm looking into the scriptures. Uh, I was in Starbucks a few weeks ago and I saw a uh, young man had a, a bracelet on and it had all these saints on it. Have you seen those? All the bra- saints bracelets and different figures of religion. That's interesting. You, are you spiritual? Yes, yes, I'm spiritual. That's interesting. Um, I asked him, uh, what's your compass? Where's your spiritual compass? How do you know, if I may ask you, that the spiritual path you're following is a true one rather than something that will just lead you everywhere? Where's your spiritual compass? Again, he looked at me. Uh, I never thought about that, he said. We need to have a compass. We need to have some kind of uh, guiding force for us. And that's what uh, scripture helps us do. And prayer helps us connect to that in a powerful way. Our God is a consuming fire and his word is a lamp in our lives. Let that fire refine your mind and your spirit. Don't neglect it. 
It's so important. Solitude is so powerfully important. Um, if you don't have quiet times, you should at least spend time or try to build it. But don't just have quiet times. Go do it. No, change how you do it. Stuart Garrison is a board certified psychiatrist and former faculty member at Harvard Medical School. He has interviewed hundreds of prisoners in solitary confinement. By the way, that's where you go when you're really, really bad. Uh, my, I remember driving by a prison once and my kids, they're six and seven, asked me, what's that? I said, that's a prison. What's a prison? Uh, I told them a prison is time out for big people. <laughs> a big time out. But solitary confinement is time out for the time outs, right? It's really bad. But here's what happens in solitary confinement. People become psychotic and acutely suicidal. Why? Because they're doing the monotonous over and over again. They're not doing anything different. They become insane. You can become spiritually insane, so to speak, if I may. The human mind cannot stand monotony. What about how we pray? Does it make a difference? You know, standing up, sitting down, bowed heads, up heads, hands lifted, spread legs, whatever. Does it matter? In one sense, it doesn't matter. In another sense, it does. Because we are, surprise, bodily beings. I remember um, my children, Anna Katharina and Daniel, we were bowing down to pray one day. And as, I, as we prayed, uh, as we finished, uh, Daniel told me, Daddy, Anna Katharina kept her eyes open when we prayed. <laughs> I told them, and how did you know Anna Katharina kept her eyes open when we prayed? Uh, he didn't try to answer because he realized he was making the same mistake he was making. But why bother? Why bother bowing our heads? Because we are bodily beings. That's why. When we bow our heads, it shows a sense of reverence. How we position our bodies shows how we uh, connect ourselves to what's important to us. When you meet somebody that's just your friend, hey, you give them a hug. When you meet like a president, you stand up in attention. Why is that? Because your body shows what's inside your spirit. God knows what's in your hearts, but you don't, many times. And how do you recognize that? Well, by looking and watching your reactions to things. How you dress when you come to church or go to the beach says a lot about what you value and what you hold to be valuable in your life. In his book, The Screwtape Letters, how many of you read that? All right, got it, some people on my team. Uh, letter four, C.S. Lewis has the demon give advice to his fellow nephew, and here's what he says to him. At the very least, they can be persuaded that the bodily positions makes no difference to their prayers. For they constantly forget what you must always remember, that they are animals, and whatever happens in their bodies affects their souls. How you pray, the way you pray, the way you have your times of devotion makes a difference on your spirit. You're struggling with this area of, what if I don't feel it? Um, what if I... Just don't have the, the, the gusto to do it. You ever had that? I, I don't feel like doing it. I've been there, guys. I don't feel like running sometimes when I go running. I don't feel like doing things. But what do you tell a mother who says, I don't feel like changing the infant diaper? Or the police officer. <laughs> bad mother. Or the police officer says, I don't feel like answering the 911 call now. I've just got to shut this off and finish my donut. Or whatever it is. <laughs> no, you, you do it anyway. Because if you don't master your feelings, surprise, they'll master you. And as my children, they're still little. They're controlled by their feelings. I mean, when they drop an ice cream, you may as well shut down Wall Street. 
Uh, nothing matters in life because the ice cream is gone. Uh, because they're emotional beings. And they're more animalistic. And when they grow older, they're able to control these emotions. Sadly, some adults are in a sinking boat that allows them never to control theirs, and they're just wild chaos in their life. There's just a lot of wild chaos in their life. Uh, so I wrote a blog post on this on my website, which I'll mention, uh, called Logically Faithful, called Fake It. Sometimes it's the right thing to do. And when you actually pretend like you're something, you may actually become that. One other thing I want to mention. Anybody here recognize or familiar with the Orthodox tradition? the Orthodox Church. The Eastern Orthodox Church is one of the oldest churches in the world. They claim to be older than the Catholics. Metropolitan Christos Ware gives this fascinating example of how to engage with God in your times alone. He talks about Moses in the burning bush. So Moses uh, is a shepherd, and he, he sees a bush burning in the distance. You all may have heard the story. Seen the movie, Prince of Egypt, great film. Oh, yeah. And then he approaches to check out why is this bush not being consumed? And then he hears a voice, Moses. Moses, finally he answers, here I am. Take off your shoes. You are on holy ground. There's so much we can go into the details behind that. But for now, Crystal Square tells us that removing the shoes illustrates that the shoes are a type of example of dead, deadness, dead animal, dead skin. Remove that in your times of devotions with God. Remove the monotonous, remove the, the lifeless, remove the, the boredom. Change how things, you do things. Listen to different music, read different books. Uh, God says something else to Moses when he did that. Take off your shoes, but then he said, the place you're standing is holy ground. Moses needed to become acquainted with the fact that his feet need to touch the earth. He needs to feel the grass on the soles of his feet, the air on his cheeks, and recognize the divine is in all of us. Not in a sense of pantheistic sense, but God, in a sense, is mystical, not more than just a person. But God actually has his, his uh, influence in everywhere, which makes him omnipresent. Take off your shoes, which means take off the boredom in your life. Change the way you do it, and that helps us. Why do I mention that? Because you can't really effectively engage your culture in a way that makes a difference for Christ unless you first engage your own heart. Uh, hello guys, this is Caldoon again. Uh, what I was talking about regarding revitalizing or rejuvenating our devotional times, uh, maybe a type of Christian mysticism. Now I wasn't going into pantheism per se, where we believe God is in everything and through everything God is. Uh, that's not where I was going. There's a lot of philosophical and theological problems with that position. Uh, what I was talking about was Christian mysticism, per se, uh, where you develop a sense of the divine in, in the small things. Uh, Justin Taylor uh, helped me a lot in this, and I'll provide a link to his work in the show notes. D.D. Uh, Martin offers a good working definition of Christian mysticism. It seeks to describe an experience, direct, non-abstract, unmediated, loving knowledge of God, a knowing or seeing uh, God directly or, in a sense, beyond the physical. For example, Origen introduced the notion of mystical interpretation. 
by seeking to uncover the hermeneutical principles of Christian and spiritual interpretation. I found Origen to be interesting, although he was labeled a heretic for some of his views. The Apostle Paul talked about the mystery was known to him by the revelation of God, and Origen wanted to discover these deep and hidden mysteries that he talked about. Maximus the Confessor also later developed something called mystical theology, which stresses upon the process whereby Christians come to participate or join in the fellowship of the triune God. So depending on how one defines their terms, figures like Augustine and Aquinas, Wesley and Edwards have all been categorized as holding to some sort of mystical theology and practicing some sort of mystical experience. Some of the great mystics of the past may include uh, Thomas A. Kempis, Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, uh, Francisco de Sales. Some key advocates in the 20th century include Thomas Merton, Henry Nowen, uh, Bernard Manning, and Richard Foster, whose work I benefited from a lot, in, in addition to, of course, A.W. Tozer, uh, which has some profound impact on my theology. Guys, we live such busy lives, lonely and anxious about the little things and bowing down constantly at the altar of the, of the urgent. But we long to know the deeper things of God deeply. The psalmist tells us, as a deer longs for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Psalm 42, check it out, it's amazing. St. Augustine writes in his Confessions, You stir us to pleasures in praising you because you have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. Amidst the everyday and ordinariness of our life, how do we find this rest? Do Augustine's words reflect my experience? Do they reflect your experience? Do you long for God? Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just long to do something else. Well, how do we cultivate a heart that longs for God and enjoys the little things of life? At times we live in such distracted lives that our deep longing for God is just completely forgotten. Let's remember that. Let's come back to remembering the transcendent. And that's what our devotions are for. Uh, let me close with this. Uh, Peter Kreeft, no, Kreft uh, tells us of Augustine's test for longing for God. He writes, The great Augustine proposed the following little thought experiment to show you, his reader, that your deepest desire is indeed the desire for God. Imagine God appeared to you and said, I'll make a deal with you, if you wish. I'll give you anything and everything you ask. Pleasure, power, honor, wealth, freedom, even peace of mind and a good conscience. Nothing will be sin. Nothing will be forbidden. Nothing will be impossible for you. You will never be bored. And you will never die. Only you shall never see my face. You shall never see my face. Would you take that offer from God? Is there an unspeakable chill in your deepest heart at those words? Did your surface desires leap after the first part of God's deal and your deepest desire freeze to a standstill and shock at the words, you shall never see my face? Your surface mind, which is in touch with your surface desires, may not admit it, but your deepest mind, your deepest heart, your deepest desires, know it. 
You want God more than anything else. And there's nothing else that can satisfy the torments of our lives and the, the tornadoes within us than the peace that comes from knowing God and his incarnation on earth, Christ. The best way to do that in this time is by devotions and by practicing what you learn by loving your neighbor and the people around you as with, with all your heart and soul and mind as you love God. Thanks. If you thought this uh, podcast was helpful, I would really appreciate it if you leave some feedback.